Hello, and welcome to the April edition of In Conversation with the Lancet HIV's podcast. I'm Peter Hayward, Editor-in-Chief, and in this episode, I'm going to speak to Yasmin Mohammed of the Bennett Institute at Melbourne, Australia. Yasmin will be talking to me about a study on point-of-care diagnosis for infants born to mothers living with HIV, which was done in Myanmar and Papua New Guinea. Before I speak to Yasmin, I'd like to draw your attention to a couple of other pieces in our April issue. We have research on brain aging in people with HIV and a modelling study looking at potential impacts of rolling out long-term injectable pre-exposure prophylaxis in sub-Saharan Africa, as well as two viewpoints looking on how best to implement novel prevention methods equitably and effectively. For more on this topic, I'd like to draw your attention to the review in our June 2019 issue by Flavio Bianchi and colleagues. And now I'm joined by Yasmin Mohammed of the Bernard Institute in Melbourne, Australia, to talk about a recently published study on the use of points of care tests for early infant diagnosis of HIV in Myanmar and Papua New Guinea. Hi there, Yasmin. Hi, Peter. Thank you so much for the opportunity. Oh, no, it's uh, my pleasure. Thanks so much for joining us. So uh, your study is set in... Myanmar and Papua New Guinea, um, and these aren't countries that we often cover in the journal. Um, can you tell us a little bit about the HIV epidemics in those countries? You know, what populations are particularly affected and what their HIV management programs are like? Sure. Thanks, Peter. So Myanmar and Papua New Guinea both have HIV epidemics that are pretty typical of the Asia Pacific region with 1% or less prevalence in the general population. Interestingly, um, globally, more than half of the pediatric HIV infections um, now occur in low HIV prevalence settings. And, and these settings actually have lower antiretroviral coverage for pregnant women and children, as well as lower rates of early infant diagnosis of HIV compared with high prevalence contact. So in, in Myanmar, the HIV prevalence in the adult population is 0.8%. So that's around 270,000 people currently living with HIV. Infections are concentrated in key populations, such as sex workers, men who have sex with men, and people who inject drugs. And around 70% of people living with HIV are on antiretroviral therapy. The HIV program in Myanmar has... Um, including access to antiretroviral medication, has recently been impacted by political instability in the country. And local communities have really been key in driving the response to HIV. Papua New Guinea has the highest HIV prevalence in the Pacific region, with around 1% of the adult population living with HIV, um, which is around uh, 64,000 people. Only 79% of people living with HIV know their status and around 68% of these people are on treatment. Uh, The epidemic's also concentrated in key populations, including female sex workers and men who have sex with men, especially in urban areas of the country. And like many countries, stigma and discrimination have a big impact on access to health services for people living with HIV. Right. Thank you. That's fair comprehensive and succinct to cover such a sort of a lot of ground for two countries so thanks very much for that so your study that published in the lancet hiv is looking specifically at early infant diagnosis 
Um, I just wondered, could you uh, tell us sort of how common is vertical transmission in the two countries? So vertical transmission rates are high in both Papua New Guinea and Myanmar. In Papua New Guinea, overall, less than 40% of all pregnant women access antenatal care. And among pregnant women living with HIV, antiretroviral um, therapy coverage is around 80% and vertical transmission is about 28%. In Myanmar, the proportion of ART coverage for pregnant women was estimated at 85% in 2019, but this number has dropped considerably in the latest estimates, most likely due to the impact of political instability on access to health services. And in 2021, the vertical transmission rate in Myanmar was 30%. Okay, thank you. Those are quite, um, some quite worry, worrying statistics, really, for the, the prevalence of uh, vertical transmission. So when, when infants do, uh, do become infected with HIV, uh, why, is it, why is it key to diagnose those infants early? And what are the challenges in achieving this? And are there any particular challenges, you know, challenges that are particular to the settings in which the study was done? So diagnosing infants early is incredibly important. Without any treatment, around half of children infected with HIV will die within the first two years of life. Mortality peaks at around two to three months of age in these infants. So it's really crucial to identify them early and start them on treatment as soon as possible. The World Health Organization recommends testing HIV-exposed infants before two months of age in order to identify those that are HIV-infected and starting them on treatment as soon as possible. And antibody tests can't be used to diagnose children under 18 months of age because of the presence of maternal antibodies. So nucleic acid technologies are really what's needed. And until relatively recently, this involved dried blood spots being collected and sent to specialised laboratories for PCR testing. Um, Now there are nucleic acid tests tests that can be done at the point of care, providing patients with the result on the same day. And these are highly recommended by the World Health Organization. Same day HIV testing leads to infants getting their results faster and starting treatment sooner. But despite the availability of these point-of-care tests, in low- and middle-income countries, only 63% of HIV-exposed infants are tested within two months of birth. And in the East Asia and Pacific region, this proportion is much lower. There are many challenges that impact on access to early infant diagnosis of HIV. Many countries still rely on laboratory tests performed at central labs that are often far from health centres and require highly trained staff and specialised equipment. When samples have to be sent to an off-site lab, caregivers need to bring their children back to the clinic to receive the test results and to start treatment. So really there there are many points in the treatment cascade where HIV-exposed infants can be lost. Having access to a test, receiving their results, being started on treatment and being retained in care. In Papua New Guinea, all of these challenges are exacerbated by Uh, an overburdened health system with a critical shortage of health workers, inconsistent availability of medical supplies, diverse geography, and a mostly rural population. When we undertook this study, there was only one central laboratory where early infant diagnostic testing could be done in the country, and that was in the capital, Port Moresby. And Myanmar faces similar challenges with the addition of political instability. 
and the, the impact of that on access to health services. Myanmar has two laboratories that can undertake testing, one in Mandalay and one in Yangon. Right, thank you. Um, and just actually sort of on the specifics of the test, where they are available, this, I mean, the expert tests, are they easy to use? Yes. Yeah, so in the, in our study, we use the, the Cepheid, um expert qualitative test for HIV. Um, and yes, it is, it is a very easy test to use. It takes about 90 minutes to run. Um, and it's just run using the gene expert machine, which can of course be used for many different types of tests as well as HIV testing. Great. So, you know, people working in the, in the, in the point of care settings where they're used, don't have any difficulty using them if they're available. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they're, they're pretty simple to use when, when you've received appropriate training, of course. Okay, great. And then can you just tell us a little bit more about what you did in this study? Sure. So the, the gene expert test has, um, it has been shown to have very high sensitivity and specificity in laboratory and field settings. Mm-hmm. But to our knowledge, there were no studies that looked at the impact of this test or any point of care test for early infant diagnosis of HIV in a, in a low prevalence setting. So to address this gap, we conducted a cluster randomized controlled step wedge trial to look at the effect of the expert test on time to results communication among HIV exposed infants in Myanmar and Papua New Guinea. Our study was conducted over a 14-month period in six public hospitals that provided prevention of vertical transmission services to pregnant women. So four of those sites were in Myanmar and two were in Papua New Guinea. Randomization was done at the health facility level and the stepped wedge design meant that all sites started in the control phase and ended in the intervention phase. And the order in which they moved from control to intervention was randomly determined. We enrolled infants born to women with confirmed HIV infection who were less than 28 days old and needed HIV testing. In the control phase, infants received the standard of care, which in both countries at the time was a blood sample collected at around six weeks of age that was then sent to central laboratories for PCR testing. In the intervention phase, infants also had their blood sample tested using the expert test at the hospitals, either by laboratory staff or research staff, um, ideally on the same day as sample collection. Our primary outcome was communication of an HIV test result to caregivers by the time the infant was three months old. And we also looked at receipt of the test result by six months of age, the field performance of the test, the operational feasibility and acceptability of the test, which we have reported in in other publications, and also the cost effectiveness of the test in Papua New Guinea. Okay. And then, crucially, what what did you find in the study? So over the course of the study, we enrolled 393 caregiver infant pairs, 102 in the control period and 291 in the intervention period. We found that the expert test reduced time to early infant diagnosis results communication by 60% compared with the standard of care. Um, And this difference was statistically significant. In, in, our, in the control phase, 2% of participants received a test result by three months of age, compared with 74% in the intervention phase. 
And if we look at infants who had a blood sample taken by three months of age, 60% of control participants received an HIV test result by six months of age, compared with 96% of intervention participants. So this difference was larger in Papua New Guinea, where only just over a third of control participants received an HIV test result by the age of six months. And this was mostly due to delays in communication of laboratory PCR test results to the hospitals. Great. That um, seems like quite an impressive, an impressive improvement in, in getting test results to, to caregivers. Seems like quite a clear finding. Yes, it was, it was a big difference. And, and you mentioned, um, can you tell us what you think the main take-home message is for HIV programs? in Myanmar and Papua New Guinea from the results of your study? So our study is the, is the first to show that a point of care test for early infant diagnosis of HIV can, that it can reduce time to results communication in a low HIV prevalence context. And this finding is, is similar to high prevalence settings. The qualitative work that we undertook as part of the study also showed that the test was feasible to implement and acceptable both to caregivers and healthcare workers. And given the high proportion of infants in our study who did not receive a standard of care laboratory test result by six months of age in the control phase, particularly in Papua New Guinea, point of care testing could really have an important impact on the health of HIV exposed infants in these countries. It is also important to note that not all participants in the intervention phase received a test result by three months of age. So while 74% is, of course, a huge improvement on 2% with standard laboratory testing, it still highlights a need for health system strengthening in both countries. Both Myanmar and Papua New Guinea have limited resources to address numerous health challenges, um, and more research is needed on the cost-effectiveness of point-of-care testing for early infant diagnosis of HIV in a low-prevalence context. In Myanmar, while political instability has taken a, a huge toll on HIV services, point-of-care early infant diagnostic testing could be particularly beneficial in urban settings where they have a higher HIV burden. And in Papua New Guinea, vertical transmission of HIV has recently been recognised as an urgent health priority, and the country has introduced point-of-care nucleic acid testing into high-burden provinces, with a plan to further scale this up throughout the country. So this is a really exciting step towards making sure that all HIV-infected infants receive a test result within two months of birth, are started on treatment and retained in care. And I think that this will have a huge impact on the health outcomes of these children. Great. Well, um, thank you so much for, for joining me today to talk about your study a bit more and to give me that little extra insight. Thank you very much, Yasmin. For more on this topic, I'd like to point you to our June 2019 issue and an article by Flavia Bianchi and colleagues, which evaluated recent points of care tests for early infant diagnosis of HIV in eight African countries. Well, that's it for me for this one. Please like and subscribe to our podcast wherever you listen and join us next month where we'll continue the conversation.